Welcome to Oops, I Talk Politics, a left-wing political podcast where we discuss random political shit. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And we're all sad. Yeah, we usually um, have a topic of discussing pop culture, but now, just like the country, we're having a bit of an identity crisis, where are we going to do real shit now, or keep talking about stupid shit? And the solution is to talk about stupid shit that is real, which is... Trump's presidency. Yeah, we should note that we record these podcasts like a, almost a week in advance, and right now we just got done with the week one of the Trump presidency. So yeah, and when we plan this episode out, the topic is Trump's inauguration. We were like, oh, well, we're just gonna uh, we're just gonna be inside to talk about. But now, even uh, by a week after Trump's inauguration is already pre-rolled, and compared to the shit he did afterwards. Yes. Yeah. So just to contextualize it, we're recording this on Saturday, the twenty eighth. But we're going to be talking about two weeks ago, a week ago, however, how long? Two ago weeks now, two I weeks. think. I don't yeah, know what time is anymore. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But, like, because we wanted to have, instead of just, like, here's some news, it's more like, let's, ref- like, slight hindsight. Yeah, hindsight it, 2020, not, right? Gearing up. Yeah, It's not like uh, you guys don't know your Facebook feed isn't spammed with fucking articles about <laughs> this and that. Yeah. So it's like, we don't, we don't need to report to you. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the inauguration and some of the things surrounding the inauguration. Yeah. And we're doing a new format uh, this week. Since when we came up with the show, we were just bullshitting it because we were all <laughs> sad and, and we're trying to think of what to do to not be sad anymore. And that's what we're doing now. So if you like our new format, let us know. If you don't, tell us to stop it and we'll go back to our old one. Yeah, and uh, I would love to see some feedback in our Facebook group about, like, what we should do. Should we be more news? Should we be less news? Should we be less sad? Uh, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, enough with the bullshit. Let's get, yeah. to the, let's get to the meat. Yeah, so the first part of Trump's inauguration is talking about Trump's inauguration. It's three doors down, right? <laughs> yeah. So Phil will be covering this part. Phil? Yeah, I, I was mostly just um, interested to talk about his inaugural address because every president, you know, goes up there and basically sets the stage for their presidency. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you're the only one out of the three of the four of us to actually listen to it. You didn't listen to it either, Daryl. I listened to it. Thanks for okay. speaking for me, Sly. <laughs> All right. Oh, so right. Daryl is the only one who does his homework on the show besides Phil. Okay. It's not just homework. I think even if you don't like Trump, you should see what he's saying. Uh, yeah. I read. I read a lot of the transcript afterwards, but I just can't. I can't. I just fucking can't. I'm I, sorry. I I stopped being able to listen to Trump speaks like back in August of last year. So it's oh, kind you're of gonna have for me. a fun four years, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, I only listened to it once when it was when it was happening. Um, we, were, we were able to watch it, and one thing I noticed that I think many people would have noticed, and people who haven't listened to it uh, should know, is that it seemed like one of the most negative uh, inaugural addresses. Because if you look at the formula of inaugural addresses, you listen to Reagan's or JFK's or George H. W. Bush or W. Bush. Um, they always basically have the same formula where you say, we have challenges facing the country, whether it's Soviet Union or uh, economics or whatever, but as you know, together we'll, Americans will solve the problem, we're strong, blah, blah, blah. They're very inspirational. But um, Trump's speech went so hard on the problems we're facing that around half the speech, is like out of like a 15, 20-minute speech, was just about, not just like we have this one problem, it's like, our infrastructure is falling apart, and it's third world country status. Um, our military is trash now. We, we're embarrassed around the world. No one has a job anymore. Um, no one respects us. Um, people are murdering each other in the streets of America in every city. 
Um, and he just goes on and on about how we're a wrecked country. Um, and <laughs> An erect country. We're an erect country. I'm, I, all the Trump supporters are erect right now. So. I think the best way to sum it up is when he referred to our country as American carnage. Yes. Yeah, he says that. Well, that's what he says is going on in places like Detroit and Chicago. He, he referenced the inner cities as being American carnage. Um, and... I, that just stood out to me because I, I mentioned this to my coworkers uh, who we were watching it because well I'm not gonna I don't want to dox myself but uh, we have <laughs> we have a vested interest in it. And uh, Phil's address <laughs> is at uh, one two three Fake Street. Yeah. Um, and they you know this coworker was like oh it's just kind of like Reagan's speech you know he was talking about the economics but really it, it, I like listened to Reagan's speech again after and he he starts out saying you know people don't have jobs anymore um, the government is is too big right now but then the rest of the speech is all about how we're going to come together and fix these problems whereas i feel like maybe it's just me but trump's speech was not very inspirational uh it was more it's like very kind of like shit. foreboding yeah uh am i the only one that kind of prefers that though yes okay because like <laughs> what I just, uh, once again once again we're uh this is me uh, against everyone else but if you i, I never listened to any uh, full uh, inauguration speech because I don't give a shit but I, I did see, I did hear like excerpts from like Bush's and it's all bullshit like he goes back on everything everything uh, like all the shit he says like it was but, all just bullshit fucking no, rhetoric but I don't think it's bullshit because I think that whenever you have an election half the country loses and I think it's important to send the message that like I'm going to be I'm going to do the best for everybody and, like, look at Trump's, con- uh, his victory speech on election night. That was a much better inaugural speech. I'd, I'd rather, if he's going to f- enact policies the way he's been acting, I'd rather he be honest about it than uh, sm- blow smoke up our asses, to be honest. Yeah, but is he being honest? Because his, his solution to all these problems was, Washington will listen to you now. You're the forgotten people are not forgotten anymore. I'm going to listen to everything, everyone in the country. I'm going to listen to everything you say. And I'm going to answer the call. And also what's interesting is when I looked at a bunch of other inaugural addresses, and I've read a lot of them before, like JFK's, uh, he says, all these things I want to do, they might not be, they're not going to be done in my first hundred days, in my first thousand days, in, even in the lifetime of this administration or in our lifetimes, potentially. But we're going to, we must begin. And and then Reagan says, you know, it's, it's not going to be an easy thing. We're going to do this over the course of many years. Trump's just like, we did it. Like, the problems are about to be fixed. Starting today, I'm fixing all the problems. Starting with the media. <laughs> it reminds me so much of his, the RNC speech, where he was basically saying the whole world is terrible, and everything about it is awful, and it's liberals' fault, and I'm the only one that can fix it. And that level of, like, demagoguery is terrifying to me. I, I, I prefer to over just uh, him blatantly being bullshit and then just going on to do but same his, whole, his whole life is blatantly being he was, bullshit. he was still bullshit by saying i'm listening to you the people <laughs> I, it is it is you're going to right but the thing is it's less bullshit than if he gave a more optimistic speech of i'm i'm going to listen to the other half because it's all because i rather it'd be a little bit more honest than it's, it's bullshit either way but i would prefer this more than him being like oh let's get together and all this shit because that it's meaningless anyway to me yeah but actually i I think slime might be convincing me (laughs) no i don't think i don't think it's 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 bullshit and and pointless because part of the president's job is not just to enact executive policy it's also as the figurehead of the government and to reach out to people inspire people to do things is part of his role he's the head of state he's he is there to try to make us come together, and 
But that's not what Trump's Trump's plan is to do. I, I rather it ref, his speech reflect his administration more than reflect what our ideal of that's the presidency true. is. Because nobody that well, not nobody that's obviously being hyperbolic. But like his message has never been that. It's always been these people are out to get you. Let's fuck them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was certainly a Trump speech. Yes. I was not surprised. Well, by I, it. I don't know. I don't know if it was certainly. Yeah, it was, he definitely it was wrote written it. by Bannon. No, and I don't mean he wrote it with his fucking marker in the Mar-a-Lago <laughs> estate. I mean that he like it was a ve- it was very much like it was kind of just a tweaked version of his stump speech. Yeah, yeah. That just it, in front of the same amount of people. It was crazy actually listening to it. I'm like, this is not Trump's words when he's like across the landscape of America. Abandoned factories are littered like tombstones. I'm yeah. like, mm, you're just yeah, that's, like that's my that's my actual criticism of it is that I wish it was just Trump going off without a speech like he does when he's yeah where he goes on like his rant. He's like, oh, let yeah. me tell you about like my cousin. <laughs> that's what I was expecting because that's what people want to see anyway. No one wants to see him fucking reading off the script and being boring as fuck. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say the speech was boring. Yeah, I don't think it was boring. But like, I mean, like in general, usually when he speaks off a script, it's usually boring. Like, well, it, yeah, it's less eventful when he's saying canned words. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to necessarily have an argument, like if good or bad. I'm just, I thought it was. You didn't, you didn't expect me to disagree with you, Phil. You're no, no, no. I'm no. going to fucking have I'm an not... echo chamber here, and that's it. We're going to be liberal echo chamber uh, politics. You, you can issues. disagree. I, I wasn't even saying that it was a uh, a bad speech as much as it, it is it is like the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency so far. It is different. It is unique in American presidencies. Yeah, one might yeah, say terrifying. Yeah. Yes. I think yes. more than one might say that. <laughs> no, only one. Even four <laughs> might say that. All right. So, speaking of terrifying the world, now we're living in a world of Nazis and Nazi punching. The Nazis uh, were already there. Uh, Daryl, what, what do we do this brave new world where Nazis exist? Do we punch them? Yeah, this is, this is the question that most intrigues me right now, is exactly how do we handle um, the most zealous supporters of Trump? And I want to talk about Richard B. Spencer getting punched in the face on January 20th. And just to give you guys some insight into his background, because I'm pretty sure everyone that listens to this podcast doesn't know anything about politics. I didn't know who he was until he got punched. In the I, face. I think most human beings didn't know who he was. I, I, so I've seen him before, only hanging out with. Dirt I, I saw him before, but like I blocked out my memory. Like uh, like a week later, like a week after the punching, I was like, oh yeah, that shit. He's the guy. Me. This vi- video is going viral where he was like, hail Trump, hail yep. Trump. Yeah, I remember. Uh, like, he, I, but you never knew his name or his face. Like, yeah. I, I, I never. Connected to him because yeah, he, he's you he say it like he's a supervillain hidden in mystery until the end of the last page, <laughs> like all true Nazis. And then he he's... takes his hood off and gets punched in the well, face. Well, technically, he he doesn't describe himself as a Nazi. He describes himself yeah. as an identitarian. Well, he wouldn't call himself an, an asshole either, but he is that too. So it's... no, but the, yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is. It is an important point that he doesn't call himself that because there are tons of people who do self-identify as neo-Nazis, and he doesn't. Yeah, but that's yes, the old way of thinking. Now they're all alt right now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the head of the National Policy Institute, which is an like a alt right think tank. In the late two thousands, two thousand eight, two thousand ten, he coined the name alt right. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he's he's he said some things. I I feel like this is necessary to say so we can uh, know who he is. Is it black uh, genocide? According to Mother and Jones, he's he said blacks and Hispanics are a genetic drag on Western society. 
Hispanics and African Americans have lower average IQs than whites and are genetically predispositioned to commit crimes. When asked to condemn the KKK or Nazis, he said, I'm not going to play this game and that they did like terrible things for their time, but that he, he wouldn't outright condemn them. <laughs> That's a fun game. Yeah. In 2013, at the American Renaissance Conference, he advocated for peaceful ethnic cleansing, which is basically just kicking people out of our country yeah. and giving. He's them one of those people. Ethnic well, it's, it's like not kill them. Everyone should live in their own place. Where he says, you know, America was made by white people for white people's and our, and white people's kids. So now other non-whites are reaping the benefits of what the the good white people did in the past. Uh, so he's like one of those people that believes Chinese should be China, Africans should be in Africa. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. Like, yeah. like a race realist. Um, if you yeah. want to read more about him, you can watch the that great video that The Atlantic did of when he spoke for the National Policy Institute in Washington. I like how they call the National Policy Institute like such an innocuous name too. Like, oh, it's National Policy Institute. I guess I, like, they're probably legitimate. Yeah, the South Poverty Law Center also has a really good article that uh, captures a lot of the things that he wrote and just goes into detail about who he is. And so um, on the inauguration day, he was uh, speaking out to reporters and he was describing... Pepe the Frog. Yeah, he was... (laughs) Oh. oh, for those who don't know about Pepe the Frog, he's oh a frog that became a meme. Yeah, he said, like, Pepe the Frog, oh, he's he's become the symbol of, and then he gets punched in the face by someone dressed in all black. Yeah. And, um... Uh, like a true modern-day Batman. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he claimed that they were Antifa, which is anti-fascist. Yeah, which yeah. is a big movement that the alt-right's railing against. And Antifas are people that don't want fascists to have a voice in America, so they're trying to silence their free speech. Just out of curiosity, do uh, I know that he had like a, a mask over his mouth and stuff? But was the assailant, I guess, white? Yes, he was white. Okay, yep. I thought so. He was like a middle-aged dad. <laughs> and fun fact to this story: um, uh, the four chan, whatever, Paul, uh, Donald, um, they tried to uh, claim it was this guy who, who like getting shot in his face from a porn site. Uh, and, but, but the porn site had to issue a statement saying that guy died of a heart attack like five years ago. <laughs> this is not him. What a world! Unless he faked his dab so that he could go around punching Nazis. Yeah, they, they planned it. They also, they're notorious for trying to dox everyone who they disagree with and find their address and like spam it. I thought you were going to say people who get shit on are notorious for punching Nazis. No. <laughs> well, you would know. So, so the question I wanted, like, that the internet's basically been asking is like, hey, is this an okay thing to do? Because generally, uh... Wait, I can guess. Sly says yes, Ryan's like, I don't know, and I say no. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, got it. Okay, uh, segment's over. What about me, Phil? What about no, me? You're, actually... you're a wild card, Daryl. <laughs> I'm curious what Daryl thinks. Daryl's gonna just yeah, break, Darryl, break the tie. For break the tie for us, Daryl. Uh, I didn't even say that I said I don't know, but I... You're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Daryl, break the tie. We're gonna vote on this. We're with the Supreme Court. I I'm not sure myself, hmm. actually. Damn, filibuster, <laughs> shit, filibuster. <laughs> yeah, because this is like we we want to be as moral as we can be, and we don't want to like America is all about giving free speech and freedom to everybody for them to say what they want. But when you start spewing really insidious, vile shit, it's really hard for me to say it's like well you should be protected from something like i i don't believe he should be killed but getting punched in the face was like it's it's a cathartic moment but you shouldn't be like enjoying it but at the same time 
based on what Spencer is preaching, it's like it does feel good for someone just to say that. Because another thing I wanted to bring up is that after, as soon as that was done, he did a video on Periscope where he said, I was planning to go out tomorrow during the Women's March to do some journalism, but I can't do that anymore. I've reached the stage of being a public figure where I'm going to be recognized and attacked. And it's like, the less he speaks out, the better. Yeah, so let me give my defense of this, and Phil can give his impotent neoliberal bullshit. What? <laughs> Neoliberalism has to do with economics, not this. <laughs> but, um, so my defense is, uh, these pieces of shit, they feed off of liberal impotency and modern-day social mores, and that's how they gain legitimacy. And, like, in, in the past, in the past, uh, they would be shamed in modern society, and be like, that's why they would be quelled but now uh they get off on oh you're being offended by me oh uh, and uh, this starting arguments and uh getting fake legitimacy uh it's gotten to the point that i punching them is the only thing that makes that makes them if, if it punches them makes them get them out of the public sphere i think that's the uh, course we have to take but don't you think that that sets a dangerous precedent yes you know it sets a dangerous precedent too nazism no no no, no i understand that but you could make the same case that, like, I mean, you wouldn't, probably, I don't know, Tea Party Sly over here. But, like, <laughs> you could make the case where, like, if I was spewing, like, anti-Nazi rhetoric and you were a Nazi, that the only way to shut me up is to punch exactly. me in the face. Well, there's a difference between a moral argument and a, le- a legal argument. And morally, Nazi is evil, so saying anti-Nazi things is... But we uh, li- morally like, right. We live in Trump's America. We can't say that the moral thing will hold up in court. Also, I know, but, but also, we're, not, guys, we're, not about, we're not talking about legally. Legally, it's not an argument. The question is, uh, morally, should you punch the Nazis? And I think the answer is yes. No, because every that 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 idea that if like Daryl said, if someone's preaching vile, insidious shit, they should get punched in the face. Uh, vile and insidious shit, like Ryan is pointing out, is subjective. It no, is. but but not not, not uh, Nazism. That's that's one of the least subjective moral questions. But if we no, don't, to you, to you it is. If we don't say we can punch Nazis, then we then that, that means violence is never the answer ever, which I don't believe is true at all. No, it's it's the answer as a response when that is the only alternative. When this guy's talking, you can just ignore him. You don't have to assault him. Or you could yell at him and yeah, argue with him. Or, or whatever. That's how they, that's how they get, get get legitimacy. They they want you to argue with them. You are helping their cause by arguing. You... Go, go argue with Nazis on Twitter. You are doing what they want you to do. That, okay, that so, literally... so when you punch them in the face, what do you think the effect of that was on the alt-right community afterwards? Do you think people were like, I'm And what he did for Spicer is he said, I'm scared to go out. And that's what we need to make. We need I mean, to do what we he did. He still went out, though. He also got punched in the face again. But don't you think, <laughs> don't you think, because I'm going to, comp- and I'm not comparing these groups whatsoever. I have to really stress that. But don't you think when you have a protest of hundreds of people and one person resorts to violence, don't you think a lot of Americans, stupid Americans, but a lot of Americans see that and go, this whole protest is illegitimate, and then they side with the people they're protesting against? And I, I, I want to say, people... I'm this to you, Ryan. Fuck you. Because seriously... <laughs> That is the most bullshit argument because it happens regardless of how... Oh, that's how Trump got fucking elected. I know, but that happens regardless of how violent the protest is. The, the Women's March was considered a violent... Was considered violent. Uh, Martin Luther King, back in, back in the day, was considered violent. It's going to happen anyway. That's not a legitimate argument that we have to never have violence in any segment because they'll find any excuse to ban that violence. When you break a window, they'll say, you see, this whole argument is legitimate. No matter what happens, that'll always be the case. It's one of those things like... If they're going to do it anyway, that's, they might as well fucking okay, do it. Okay, so then if people are just going to use violence to make their point, don't the strongest people win then? 
don't the the, the strongest big, people win? The, the strongest people, uh, uh, strongest people. It's not, it's not a matter of uh, strength. It's a matter of if you say Valshin no. public, is it morally right? For you to uh, 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 get fucking hit. And no, I but think it's don't right. you think that because vile and insidious is subjective, don't you think? But it's that not subjective. Not Nazism is not subjective. It is subjective. No, thing. It, it is subjective. They think they do not think they are evil. They yeah, think they I know, but they are evil. Yeah, um, everyone thinks they're not evil. Nazi. There's, how will we fight any form of Nazism if we're not going to fight it? Uh, if we're not going to label it as evil, as something that's worth stopping. No, it is worth stopping, but it is again. We like they do not. They do not think themselves as the bad guys. They think it is good if if races are separate. If uh, you know, whites get to live on their own without other mi- yes, minorities. Yes, and I would rather that those people be scared to back. Go back to being scared to speak. So, in okay, the four of us. Let's say we are in the protesters' position. We are not super strong dudes. Okay, so let's say there's a bunch of alt right assholes. Okay, and we punch them, and then they beat the shit out of us. Well, we we, we got the shit kicked out of us. We deserve it for being such pussies. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is the stupid argument. Yeah, this this argument is not going in. You're getting can, into like can social. Use, can use another example yeah. for you guys. Yeah. My argument was never. My argument was never was whoever punches harder wins. My my the question was. But when your problems are solved by punches, that's what they become. No, but the question is, are you morally wrong? The guy who punched him, I think he was doing a, a good by punching uh, Spicer. That's my point. Spencer. Spencer, Spicer, Spicer is, is the different. White House press secretary. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Whatever. They're all the fucking whatever. <laughs> so what were you saying, Daryl? Um, that th- you guys have heard about Shia LaBeouf's uh, yeah. the video thing he's been doing where he set up yeah. a camera yeah. in New York. Yeah, and for four years, he's going to be filming it, and he wants you to go down there and say he w- will not divide us to the camera. And that yeah. uh, he was there, and um, he got arrested one night because yeah. while he was there, a guy went up to the camera and he said Hitler did nothing wrong, and then Shia shoved him. And then that that guy went and uh, contacted the police, and it's like the real pussy. W- was was he wrong for shoving him? Yeah, Shia was uh, Shia was right for shoving him. Like fuck that guy. Because that's yeah. what I felt too watching. It's like you know you're not supposed to resort to any kind of like physical altercations, but you can't treat like meme jokes like Hitler did nothing wrong as as to a Jew- to a Jewish guy. Yeah. Uh, um, also, the fact is like that that's. The guy had his arm around him. He pushed him off, and that's not assault. That is like get away from me. That's not like I'm gonna go uh, jump on you and hit you in the face. That is different. Yeah, I but, know, but, I but, but, but the police uh, didn't quantify it that way. So fuck you, Phil. Well, yeah, well, legally is morally right. So that's what we're trying to argue. So the police. <laughs> no, that's, that's not what I'm arguing. arguing. I no, but, that. That, but, but if you're saying like the fact that you can't do it in public means that if, it's, if you can't justify it legally means you can't justify it morally. Then okay, let, let me go. Let me go. I, I I understand what you're saying, Sly, and I agree with you to a certain extent. Did he deserve to get punched in the face? Yes. Yes. Was it morally right to punch him in the face? No. Yes. I, I think it not. was. I, yes. I think it was. But I, I, yeah, don't like the idea of allowing that legally. You don't want this to be a precedent where it's like let's go out and fight people we disagree with. Well, I I think the, the what way I feel about it is it should never be legal, obviously. But it's not something I will. Uh, so do you there's, liberals, think... there's, liberals, there's liberals out not now, right now, like Sarah Silverman, who are saying, "Oh, you can never do this. This is this is this is not what we are." I'm like, don't defend the fucking Nazis. Like, oh yeah, and one that's fucking... not what we're doing. It's a difference. But do you think? So let me ask you. I'm this. saying, I'm saying, just don't do that. Don't so defend the, the guy Nazis. that punched him. Does he deserve to be arrested? Probably. 
But uh, just because somebody deserved, like Martin Luther King got arrested, a lot of people who did But he didn't uh, deserve things. to be arrested. I know he didn't deserve to be arrested, but just because you're, right, you're just being illegal, judged by a certain standards, doesn't mean you did something morally wrong. Okay, so you think what he did should be illegal, and yes. he should face a penalty for it. If he gets caught, yes. <laughs> if he gets caught. Okay. I, I, I don't know, man. If you're going to say that it should be illegal, don't you want laws to reflect what No, sh- because No, because... Um, like I said, sometimes the law doesn't reflect what morals are. So, so, some things should not be allowed in polite society, but they uh, serve a public good. I think this is serving a public good, but like, but because it sets a bad precedent, it's, it really shouldn't be legal. But uh, we live in times where sometimes uh, you need to set up, you need to do something that's illegal to reverse some really bad uh, Sorry, social Batman trends. is not gonna come save us. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that's why we need to fucking punch Nazis if they fucking say shit like that. We gotta be the most punch Nazis. Not, Batman's not gonna come punch Nazis for us. Batman's illegal. That's Captain America's job. I know. Like Batman's fucking legal. Maybe it's because I watch all the superheroes, but I can make a distinction between uh, something that needs to be done that is not necessarily something I would want to condone in polite society. Right? You know what I mean? But I just feel like Phil. I really agree with Phil that like our laws should reflect what is moral. Yeah, you, you were saying before like it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be legal. But like Martin Luther King got arrested too. But you wouldn't agree that that was. But Martin Luther King, he was trying to change the laws. Yeah, this guy isn't trying to change the law so that you're allowed to punch people. And I don't face. think you're you don't even you're not even arguing that it should be changed. You would argue that Martin Luther King should not have been arrested because it should never have been illegal. So that that's like a different scenario. Like, uh, fun fact: Spencer called Martin Luther King Jr. a fraud and a degenerate. Yeah, that's fine. Punch that fucking guy in the face. <laughs> a lot of people say that though. Everyone who's like he cheated on his wife, he's a fraud. Like. Uh, well, I mean, he specifically, because he means that Martin Luther King was a fraud and degenerate because he was a symbol and sinoger of white disposition and the deconstruction of the occidental civilization. Ugh. So he means specifically that Martin Luther King's a degenerate because yeah. he brought De- down the white people. Of, yeah, decline of Western civilization, I know. My position is that I, I predict more and more uh, what's, what is right will differ from what... Um, will be needed to maintain society, uh, including revolutions. So that's the point we'll probably never agree on. and Because revolution will never be something you can argue legally, and I think revolution might be, might be in our future. Because revolution's always violent in the first yes. place. They're, yeah. they're not always violent. Uh, ours might be. Okay. I'll, I'll agree with that. So I want to ask you then, if we... So we're obviously torn on if we should keep moving forward through violence... At an establishment level, what should the Democratic Party do as we move forward? Uh, what are the options, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> so we had some disagreement on what individuals should do. Only some. Some. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about the Democratic Party in general. And what, yeah, I know. I know. And uh, I pulled up. The an opinion page. It's letters to the editor from the New York Times. That liberal fucking rag. Yeah. And the four letters. I'm not gonna go into all of them, but they basically broke down. I mean, I am gonna go into all of them, but not into detail. Oh, you have to read them all out. This is. Uh, yeah, you have to give all sides and be be fair and equal, Brian. Yeah. This is a plagiarism podcast. <laughs> yeah. The four articles break down into four very different strategies. One is that America, that America, Democrats should be 
a lot more populist and try to get that like blue collar message that Trump did so successfully. Well, that is what America did. Like uh, that's Democrats, <laughs> yeah. what America did. But like they should fight. They should go real hard into a populism message. The second one says that they should be super obstructionist, like the Republicans were during Obama's years, and basically tell Trump "fuck you" at every single step of the way, and not let him do anything. The third says, <coughs> "That's a good argument." Sorry, <laughs> I'm dying. The third basically says Democrats just have to get over it and just like, like Republicans did when Mitt Romney lost, they just kept trekking on. Move on, org. Yeah, and <laughs> basically just Democrats need to get over it and accept that Trump's the president and just work for who they're going to run in 2020 or what senators are going to run. And the last says that they need to really focus on identity politics and get new, young, charismatic, and energetic leaders. So, like, bring in new faces that aren't just the same old... Like, one of the big problems with Hillary is she's been in the public eye for so long that everyone already had conceptions about her that like maybe there's new people in the democratic party that can be the next obama that kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. so i want daryl to go first me what, sh- what do you think the democrats should do oh man i mean i didn't have a strong opinion on the <laughs> punching the nazi punching thing this is uh this is a quandary right here well, I, mean, I never saw thing on nazi punching but i have a strong opinion on what the democratic party should okay go. okay so i think I kind of lean more towards uh, really kind of like a combination of the second and fourth. I was pretty anti-obstructionist a couple weeks ago, and now I think I'm coming around to Sly's argument of, no, fuck everything that's going on right now. But I think that we do need to focus on getting new people and like people that have that haven't been in politics for 50 years, or at least... There's obviously exceptions like Bernie that have these like track records that you could look at that pretty much fit with his, uh, you know, message. But I think we need to embrace progressives and like don't just be like the moderates anymore. Like really be like, no, you guys have literal Nazis campaigning for you. We can have like super aggressive progressives. I think I think you're right about that. I've if you look at the party, the people who could have like that were like you know, the famous ex-Bernie supporter that voted for Trump. All the people who were just, like, they really didn't want to vote for Hillary, a lot of these people just felt like the establishment in general was fucking them over and that there was no real, like, change happening. And the Democrat Party is partially to blame for that because they never really do, even though they are the progressive-er party, uh, they don't really push for much change. And also, you have, like, Mitch McConnell... The you know the Senate majority uh, the House the leader the speak the, sorry he's the Senate <laughs> he's every position leader, right? at once he's like, a majority he, leader yeah Senate majority leader and he just blatantly fucking like bullshits everybody and he's like we we gave Obama a fair shake when they didn't yeah. and if they're just gonna fucking lie and be like the fucking scum of the earth sorry I'm super polarized right now <laughs> I mean Mitch McConnell but, no one fucking likes him do that. yeah but like if you're gonna say like oh we we played with Obama we played ball with Obama and let him do things he wanted to do even though they voted to repeal Obamacare like 70 fucking times like no fuck you we can be aggressive and angry and progressives and like I don't want to see just you know Harry Reid be like no, it's fine. Like, we'll just keep keeping a level head. And, like, no, fuck you. And, like, Chuck Schumer has been kind of, like, 
pretty like petty towards Mitch McConnell in I think some right ways, but I think we need like like I like I that's the thing that I loved about Bernie Sanders was he was like no fuck these guys these guys yeah, are assholes especially because someone like Schumer will never get the full uh, support of the super left wing people because he gets so much money from Wall Street like yeah. one of Hillary's criticisms like he he's still Schumer is still seen as an establishment figure even though I do agree that he you know does try to stick it to the Republicans sometimes um, he's not like who's what's going to motivate you know millions of people to go out and rally. Yeah, they're not going to... There's going to be no signs for Schumer 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And if there are, like, that's a huge mistake. If there are, that means we're fucked. Um. Yeah. (laughs) But I do feel... My strong opinion is we do need someone more of an outsider or someone that's just basically anti-establishment if we're going to try and, like, uh, bring back the fervor there was for Bernie in 2020 to fight back against Trump. And, like, I got... I used to get into big arguments with my dad because I'd be like, I would label Bernie as like the anti-establishment. He's like, no, he's been in he's been in Congress for so long, like he is the government. And I'm like, no, but if you follow the Democratic Party, he's super not. Yeah, yeah. like he's just because you've been around for a long time doesn't mean that you're super ingrained. You're not necessarily like a Hillary Clinton figure or like. And I think that's one of it's the things one of the that reasons energized... why no one attacked him for being. Like, well, you're part of the establishment because he was. And he's considered a political not. joke for years. Yeah. yeah. The reason the Democrats shit on him so much is because he wouldn't play ball with them, so they're like, we're not playing ball with you either. Yeah. Yeah. And they're I like, you're this... an independent running as a Democrat. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the thing that I'm the most offended of lately is the argument, like, just get over it. We got over it when Obama was president. It's like, no, you fucking didn't. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> you fucking didn't at all. You're the, a bunch of liars. The problem is, is like, there's so there's such a broad range of people that like. There, there could be people out there who were like not very like, uh, but heard about Obama. But there's like those might not be the same people. No, who but were... I mean, I have Facebook family friends that are like, I guess Facebook friends in my family that are like, you liberals are all a bunch of fucking crybabies. Get over it. And I scroll through the timeline, and they have eight years of memes of like, can't wait till class is back in the White House. Like Obama's destroying America. It's like, oh, no, yeah. fuck you. Fuck you. And there are people who have the cognitive dissonance, like, um, that they will see on the news uh, people protesting Trump. And they say, this is stupid. No one ever protested Obama this year. Uh, they like they would lynch up dummies and burn them. Like, fuck you. There's, there's a lot of things um, that really just have, like, a collective amnesia. And, and, and that's why old school liberals are pieces of shit, because they would just go wrong with the new narrative they set forward. And now... After Obama and how the transition to Trump, I think a lot of us are sick of that. Like, we, we fucking lost Supreme Court justice, and now they're fucking expecting oh, us to just... Oh, man, that one really burns. Yeah. So, like, I, and um, my position on this is that, um, the same as Bernie, in that go with identity politics, but you also have to move beyond identity politics, in that, yes, get young uh, minorities and women and, you know, people of color uh, to run... But it can't just be that. You can't just be another Hillary who's just like, yeah, vote for me because I'm a woman or probably what Cory Booker will try. Vote for me because I'm, I'm black like Obama. But in reality, they're the same fucking liberal pieces of shit that we've been dealing with. Uh, we have to have uh, actual strong policies that people can rally behind as well. Yeah, and I think like Hillary's quickness to dismiss blue-collar workers and like as like, oh, it's a voter block that the Democrats always have, even though Democrats haven't done shit for unions in fucking decades because they just like every four years, they're like, don't forget, 
Democrats are supposed to be behind unions. Yeah. And I thought like, it was interesting that uh, the union leaders met with Trump and apparently came away happy. I, I like, he could have, I'm like, I really wonder what they talked about. Because I feel, did he bullshit them or? He, he probably used fucking global trade bullshit rhetoric. Yeah, the Democrats are so, like, it's astounding how incompetent policies, the politics they are. All you have to do is, if you don't have any good policies, at least you can fucking lie like Trump did. I think a lot of liberals, a lot of liberals fall into this, and obviously, like, no, I'm not even going to fucking, I'm done catering to this centrist bullshit that I always do. (laughs) It's an instinct. I have to uh, be fair both sides. I just have to. I'm so instinctually doing this, but liberals have to realize that most of America don't give a fuck about logic or actual rationale or facts behind anything or consistency. make it simple or consistency yeah. because i could give you articles and articles and articles about how all of trump's policies are total garbage but if i can't break them down in simple two sentences that are like the tpp took your factory job away even if it's not true even if it doesn't matter you need to be able to relay your message in a simple way that the fucking masses can yeah chew up and yeah. make into a goddamn meme and I'm not saying Hillary's some highbrow candidate no. that was too wise for all of us. And she also, she was willing to go dirty against Bernie. She just didn't, she was going to go, she said, <laughs> I have to go high against Trump for whatever reason. I actually had, uh, I took a fascism test a while back. <laughs> and uh, I, I Surprise, got Surprise, you're a fascist. I almost got like a perfect score, but there was one question where. <laughs> I don't know if perfect is the word I would use for 100% fascism. Not being fascist. 95% oh, okay. non-fascist. <laughs> okay, because I was like, oh, so you're admitting that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fucking fascist. But uh, but one question I fell on was, I'm, uh, I don't believe, there was a question like, do you believe that democracy innately makes everything message dumbed down and stupid uh, in order to cater to the masses. And I said, yes, because reality, I may be super democratic, but I, uh, democracy, you have, to, you have to play things dumb. You have to yeah. make sure your message is simple. And I think it's going to be extra important in 2020 and beyond because the American education system ain't getting any better yeah. and there's no evidence that it's not going to get a whole lot worse. Yeah, I feel like this election really taught all of us. It's like, hey... It doesn't matter what your facts say. Like, Benghazian emails did their damage. They worked, yeah. even if there was no substance behind them. And that's the thing is, I keep reaching out to, like, Trump supporters that I know and be like, can, can someone explain to me why they support these policies? And, like, all it is is my liberal friends being like, I don't know. They're, it seems really dumb to me. And, like, I'm not saying that nobody has an argument for these policies, but... None of the people that I personally know, and I know this is purely anecdotal, but none of the people I know that voted for Trump can justify anything other than make America great again. And he's gonna, it's just all fucking identity bullshit. There's a subreddit that is uh, Ask Trump Supporters that you might want to look at to see their reasoning. Yeah, you can pull it for our our weekly episodes and have like material for our show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just so mad. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. It's okay. I think we're all mad deep down. <laughs> yeah, we're all mad. Yeah. <laughs> we're mad in a mad world. So yeah. we kind of all agree that we just have to start fighting dirty and really standing up for progressive beliefs, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, oh. Mostly. Phil, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, I just, like, fighting dirty, I mean, like, if you just start, I think every I'm time... not saying, like, use fake news and lying. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm saying, all but, right. like, if, like, ju- like... Don't just let somebody pass because they're decent or, like, because they're okay. Yeah, you know? or, like, like I, I'll agree that – I, I wouldn't consider this fighting dirty, though. When someone evades a question or something and, they, like, that you don't call them out on it, that, I think, you do need to be harder. Like, I noticed yeah. throughout the whole campaign, every time Trump was bullshitting, people would just be like, all right, moving on, when they should have been like, that yeah. makes no fucking sense. Can you clarify? Yeah. 
Um, but my, my version of fighting dirty is don't be afraid to make uh, bullshit memes because that's how Trump got elected. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, like make fun of his fans make fun of his uh, fucking Pepe make fun of all that shit just <laughs> and that's the thing is like I'm Pepe. done I'm I, I like really tried hard to like not get into the internet politics series business stuff but like I'm done I can't do this anymore I just feel I, like it's it's like a downward spiral from there because well we're already in a downward spi- spiral we've been in a downward spiral since uh, fucking Nixon Every what we have is every Republican fuck shit up then Democrats try to balance the budget and try to Try to make things a little better. Then Republican ones again, they fucking drop the deficit again. Like it's, it's gonna be keep. Yeah, it's down. almost like they borrow fourteen billion dollars without any fucking plan. Yeah, that, that that's we're heading a dire spiral just because Republicans set a new discourse and Democrats go along with it. We have to start fighting and making our own discourse. What I mean fighting, what I really mean is like when my racist aunt or something posts some article, like I'm I'm not just gonna ignore it anymore. It's like no, this is wrong. Yeah, here's evidence yeah, why it I, is wrong. I, I I agree that you should do that. I I've done the same thing actually to my racist aunt. But the, the, the problem is, like, it's, it's a problem here. It's, like, they, they are as frustrated with the left, even irrationally so, as we are with them. And they just uh-huh. turn off. They turn off at that point, And they're, like, I'm being attacked by these stupid-ass libtards. And I'm yeah, going c- to... citing their liberal facts... Like we're citing, oh, the Washington Post. Look at this. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying attack them because I'm always like, oh, this is really interesting. But actually, when I looked into it, blah, blah, like I'm still polite and nice about it. I'm not saying I could be like, hey, you're an asshole. Fuck you. But like, we can't just be docile anymore and be like, no, at heart they'll vote for what's right. They obviously won't because they didn't. My yeah. my big thing is uh, the fucking people argue in bad faith like Nazis. Uh, not only should you punch them, but like if they start engaging you and try to, instead of having uh, the the liberal instinctual reaction of we have to have both sides, we have to uh, be fair, we have to, have, we can't have an echo chamber. Echo chambers are fine. If this is a Nazi trying to fucking muddy the waters in your discussion, say fuck you. you don't be afraid to say fuck mm. you. Like some people argue in bad faith, and liberals always feel like you have to accommodate them. Yeah, because I, it's like how Phil brought up. I think we're all afraid of creating a slippery slope. And I think. For, I think. Into, I th- like. The Ann Coulters, the fucking Sean Hannity's, the people who argue in bad faith, fuck them. You have to be afraid. You can't just keep getting muddling your own waters. You have to rally with your yeah, own Yeah, but then what happens now? Now the, the people now you the- have our message and you have their message and we fight it off in the political landscape. You don't just have us compromising our views beforehand like we always do because we're so desperate to be fucking consistent. And but logical. then what happens when we create a crazy tea party that ends up running for office that we're like, wow, you guys are way too crazy. Our crazy tea party is trying to give like free healthcare yes. and education to people. I'm fine with that. We're so afraid of our, our radicals, but our radicals will never like. We're so far away from that point where radicals become dangerous. That's not even worth discussing, in my opinion. We're so far away from that. And the, the, the radicals on the right, they've already here. They've already been here. We have to start getting a bit more radical ourselves. And, like, I'm also, I used to be way too quick to dismiss, like, when people would be spouting all this, like, fake news and stuff, I was too quick to be, like, it's not even worth engaging in them. But I think that's the problem, is liberals dismissing conservatives is why they became so fucking frustrated. Because they felt like liberals didn't listen to them at all and didn't understand real America. So even if they dismiss me and go, oh, this is liberal facts and everything, it's better than me just totally ignoring them and being like, they're just idiots. Yeah, and, uh, at least have your side be spoken. Don't don't just okay, I agree let the other side just fucking uh, radicalize themselves by being their echo yeah. chambers. Okay, I'll agree with that. <sighs> okay. So, so after that uh, heavy discussion, uh, my poofy article is about a fucking asshole from the New York Times. <laughs> okay. So uh, we had the Women's March, which was about uh, everyone 
Like, more people than were at Trump's inauguration basically saying, fuck you to Trump. And uh, David Brooks, who was a writer for New York Times, who's a conservative uh, fuckwit. <laughs> Already giving him a fair shake, are we? <laughs> he's one of those uh, trivers in the middle, gotta, gotta hear both sides, gotta be pragmatic. Yeah, like ultimate moderates. Yeah, he's like he's like the Hillary Clinton. What, what do we call them? Milquetoast centrist bullshit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, just to show how uh, fucking uh, centrist bullshit this guy is, when uh, the Nazi punching came up, someone made an article, uh, uh, a fake news article, like an Onion-type uh, news thing, where it was purported to be written by David Brooks saying, when you punch a Nazi in the face, you punch me in the face. And <laughs> I thought it was real when I first read it. So that shows you how much of a fucking centrist pragmatist asshole this guy is. Because you were easily tricked by the onion. <laughs> no, but this is being spread across like other other fucking uh, liberal. And we were like, it's embarrassing being tricked by this shit. But this guy is that much of a fucking uh, milk toast asshole. So uh, the article uh, first talks about how. Uh, it's potentially decent talking about, uh, uh, talking about how libs focus too much on identity politics in the election, but not to the, the way I would argue with that. You have to go beyond identity politics and get into like uh, pro worker issues and stuff like that. His argument was uh, uh, it starts out a little bit saying saying oh they should they should have focused more on automation and globalization. Uh, uh, but uh, then he says oh instead of focusing on those stuff, they talk about stuff no workers or middle America really cares about like. Free health care, equal pay, reproductive rights, which is... That's... What? A lot of people yeah, care. Yeah, no one cares. Uh, so he says, uh, so sometimes social change happens through grassroots movements, the civil rights movement. Most of the time, change happens through political parties, the New Deal, the Great Society, the Reagan Revolution. Change happens when people run for office, amass coalitions of interest groups, engage in the messy practice of politics. So basically the idea that politics is all top-down hmm. and, and, and protests are worthless. Oh, it's almost like three million more people voted for the Democrat than the Republican, and obviously, just people showing up isn't enough. But uh, even nah, if it's, the... uh, it's like it, he's right about sometimes that it is top down, but like the Reagan Revolution is not a top down thing. Has it been was... top? Has it been top down for Democrats in like the last fifty 30 years. years? Fifty years? Yeah. Uh, like Obama, Clinton aren't going to make any top down changes. They go yeah, with yeah. what public opinion is. That's what they live on. They gauge public opinion. Public opinion. And then kind of sort of fight for it after that. Yeah. Like, we were talking about revolutions a little before. That that term means more than just, you know, complete, so like, upheaval. It can be just a, a huge change, right? And mm-hmm. most of those, you do need to have a pretty significant grassroots movement yeah. to actually have it be a stable thing afterwards. You can't, like, top-down revolution, like, top-down change is, like, it is the I I would argue is more of an exception than than a norm. I don't know how you could think that in Trump's America. Yeah, because the Republican Party did this, right? No, yeah. they did not. They, no, they was, was, this was Trump. Yeah, exactly. And, Trump saying, and like, and uh, the people who supported him. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm agreeing with you that the, Trump's presidency, Trump's election is an example of a grassroots movement. Obama's election was an example of grassroots action. Um, and Bernie's rise from nobody yeah. to winning twenty two states. The gay he's, marriage uh, support has been fucking. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe his he, his argument would have been more sound in like the eighteen hundreds. But the, when everyone has social media, <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I, I, no, but in the age of social media, you can organize. Yeah. Huge, huge. Groups not just of can, but in, inadvertently you do because of the way things go viral. Like. You don't go on Facebook to to join a movement, but you see ninety nine people posting about how Obama's 
uh, trying to, you know, force you to pay money for not having health insurance. Or you see 99 posts about how Trump's going to take away, uh, you know, overturn Roe v. Wade. And you just get into it. Like, this is what people do now. Yeah, but my point is more uh, related to the fact that uh, expecting our politicians to come to our, our rescue. Like, that's what liberals have been doing with Obama for the last eight years. And it doesn't work. You can't just uh, sit around waiting for your politicians to come to your yeah. aid. Yeah. Yeah. Especially all everyone keeps saying, and it's so true, is just like, just call your local fucking people. Yeah. And yeah. tell them to do shit. Because, like, I was listening to a podcast about uh, from some Obama staffers, and they were saying, like, on a, at a local level, if you and three people go to a local politician, they will, like, work for you. Because you're probably, the four of you are probably the only six people there. Yeah, it's one of those things that they don't really look at like online petitions as much, but calls, visits in person are they're really effective. Uh, the, the North Carolina or South Carolina, whichever is shitty Carolina. North South Carolina. Carolina. Uh, South Carolina is the shitty one historically. North Carolina is the shitty one right now. Yeah, North Carolina. <laughs> the the legislator uh, they had a bunch of people yell at one of their congressmen, and now, now they're trying to pass a law that makes it illegal to yell at congressmen. Like they're, they're shook. Like, but well, North um, Carolina is the one that was like, oh, uh, the Democrat won. No, he can't do anything anymore. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, to get to the end of this article, uh, he says, finally, I don't think politics, politics is too small for this movement. On Friday, Trump offered a vision of unabashed populist nationalism. On Saturday, anti-Trump forces could have offered a red, white, and blue alternative patriotism, a modern forward-looking patriotism based on pluralism, dynamism, growth, racial, and gender equality, and global engagement. And he goes on to say, I love Trump's inaugural. It offers a zero-sum, ethnically pure, backward-looking, brutalistic nationalism. But I don't he- like the tone that you're reading this in. You're like, ah, brutally poor ethnic centrism. <laughs> but it was like a hearing vision. And he is raveling a true and fervent love of our home. If the, if the anti, anti-Trump forces are to have a chance, they have to offer a better nationalism, diversity, covering a central message, building a nation, nation that balances the dynamism of capitalism and biblical morality. Because he's conservative. But here's what I want to bring up for uh, the final line. The march didn't come close. Hint. The musical Hamilton is a lot closer. What? what? Close to what? To the diverse... To the close to mixing nationalism with... Uh, fucking. Uh, Maybe that's the thing parties. I can't wrap my head around is the, how we wanted the protests to be more patriotic. When it's like we elected someone we highly, highly disagree with all the protesters. Like it's weird to be like I want to still be like America's great and I support like our founding fathers and everything. When it's like a lot of us are afraid we're going. But this to is. But shit. I just want. I just want. I just want to pause this. Uh, this reason why I brought this up because this is why people hate Hamilton and it's not through Hamilton's fault. But because of people like this, basically, it's like it's like Phil of the Harry Potter franchise, where <laughs> the fans ruined it for him. Where mm. the fans are so obnoxious, uh, they're like, "Fuck it." You have a lot of neoliberal assholes who are like, "Hamilton is a true way to mix Hamilton liberalism with patriotism." Not these fucking protesters marching for what they care about. Right. <laughs> I like you the, can I like do the two slide, things. Pick this article to yeah. secretly bash on Hamilton some more. No, but <laughs> I, I do want to posit why people does rub people the wrong way. Because when when I saw the line, it rubbed me the wrong way so much. Like fuck you! Like you're comparing this march to fucking a yeah, musical, that, a good musical, yeah, but yeah. it's it's obnoxious, and especially because calling saying protests need to be more patriotic. Like every fucking protest in American history, it. it it is an American thing to do to protest, and what's they more, are. What's more American than protesting? That's yeah. like the yeah. whole thing. And and protesting is a way of improving your country. So you would. Do, it's inherently a, like a, a patriotic thing. Yeah, patriotism <laughs> is the most 
American thing you could do, but American aside from fight. punching Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Hamilton's good, but fuck David Brooks. That's my thesis. Okay, that's fair. all right. Great thesis. I agree. <laughs> All right, so I guess that wraps up our show. Uh, any final thoughts? Oh, good lord! Please, uh, please don't let anything bad happen. I just need to clarify one thing. We every time you get mad, you start screaming neoliberalism. I need to de- I need to define some terms. Yes, here. yes, please. Do. Okay, classical <laughs> European liberalism, where the word comes from, means hands off. Like the government does not have control over what we say, do, spend, etc. So when we say neoliberalism, it's talking about economic liberalism that started yes. with Reagan, right? Yes. So. Reagan says government is hands off the economy. Clinton, or Bill Clinton, uh, also instituted this policy, and that's why the Democratic Party now has a lot of these what we say is neoliberal politicians because yes. they are more government should stay out of the economy. Um, but liber- when you hear the word liberal in terms of American politics, it usually means big government. It's a liberal interpretation of the Elastic Clause, which says that Congress can do what is necessary and proper. So that means they can do a lot of things. They can give money to poor people and give health care to everyone. Yeah, so but these- a lot of uh, people are – we have uh, a big government in terms of for social progress, but we have small government for big business. Right. And that's, that's where a lot of people label neoliberalism now. Yeah. Yes, but that's why I, not every liberal is a – is it has the economic side of neoliberalism? I know, but there's, a, there's qualities of a fucking dork, uh, in the middle bullshit that you can qualify, quantify as neoliberal tendencies. I I guess so. I just want so for people listening, where you're like, what is neoliberalism? It's it, that's what it is. Economic hands off, like laissez-faire style capitalism. Yes. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. Phil's teaching of the, of the week. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, now that I want to die, I'll do the housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I mentioned at the top of the show that we have a Facebook group. Uh, if you want to yell about liberal things or post memes or just talk to us about, but politics, don't, you don't yell them. about neoliberal things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can, I mean, it's, it's not just for like, we're not going to delete things that don't agree with us. It's for discussion, mm-hmm. but you know, you probably won't have as much fun if you super disagree with us. <laughs> And we might punch you if we find you. If, if uh, you're a Nazi. Oh, I yeah, won't only let if you're a Nazi. I won't let Sly punch you guys. No, o- only if you're deserving of it. I'm, 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 I'm broadening yeah. the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Upside Talk Politics like everything else. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play now. So uh, we already have a couple reviews, which is great. Uh, I just updated my iTunes so I can't open it yet <laughs> and tell you who it was. But thank you guys so much. I know Matt was one. Don't I don't remember who else. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, so, oh, and also, we are on the Comrade Radio Network, and another new show just launched, uh, Instant Classic, about new video games. Listen to that, too. Also, follow us on Twitter, because uh, I post random shit on there, if you want to see Yeah, it. what is that, at Oops Politics? At Oops Politics, yes. Yeah, but, uh, all the other shows on the network are fun. Ours is mad, so it's not like... <laughs> all the other shows are good, too. Ours is bad, too. Yeah, check it out at ComradeRadio.com. Uh, that's been Oops, I Talk Politics. I've been Sly. I've been Ryan. I've been Phil. And I've been Daryl. Uh, oops, I end the podcast. <sighs> Com Radio. Com, independent podcasting network.